Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Damn, it's great to be back. It is Sunday as I'm recording this, and this is publishing tomorrow. And I really look forward to hearing the response to this episode with Steph because it is fantastic. In in this episode, we talk all about her company and product, Avo. Uh, but we go into to so many different topics as well. We go to remote work, to there being a YC company for everything, to why San Francisco is the greatest city in the world at the same time as while it's the worst city in the world, and, and, and a bunch of different topics. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with Steph from Avo. Um, additionally, one more note is uh, I- I'd love to hear from you. If you listen to the whole episode or you can only listen to a little bit, I'd-, I'd love to know what your favorite part of the episode is so I can ask the same questions in the future. I can get that feedback. So if you want to give me any feedback on the conversation or on the podcast, feel free to email me. It's matt at mattsherman.com. That's M-A-T at M-A-T-S-H-E-R-M-A-N.com. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your feedback to make this better than ever. With that, let's get into it. Run it. All right. How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we interview founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm so, so excited to have on the show Steph Olaf's daughter, who is the co-founder and CEO of Avo. Steph, how is it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. How is your day going? It's going well, yeah. Got some good news and had some good coffee and it's nice. It's nice here in SF. It's sunny. So let's dive right into what you're working on. How about you tell the, the listeners who don't know about Avo what Avo is and, and, and what it does? My pleasure. I guess this is, this is probably what all founders have in common. They obsess about what they're doing, so they love talking about it. <laughs> um, yeah, but so Avo, just like avocado, but without the cado, People often ask us how we pronounce AVO, and it's just like that. AVO lets teams ship their product analytics code faster and without all of the bugs that usually come with that. Um, And we are a team of engineers and data people, data scientists, who have actually worked together for six years now. Um, And we know this challenge of shipping product analytics code um, because at QuizUp, which is a mobile game that had 100 million users around the world, um, and it was backed by Sequoia Capital um, and Tencent and more fantastic investors, we actually learned firsthand there that building a product in, um, I guess, today's environment which requires that you understand your users extremely well in order to to stay competitive. Um, It means that you are actually constantly forced to choose between product delivery speed, so your feature is ready, but your analytics isn't ready for it, versus data quality for reliable user insights. And, And teams are just always choosing between that. And we actually ended up solving this internally for us at QuizUp, or at least 
yeah, we, we hacked together some things that made our lives slightly easier. Um, our data quality was better. Our developers were less frustrated when they had to implement uh, some product analytics code. And then just fast forward a few years later, after QuizUp had been acquired and we started another company, we actually had this same problem again uh, very early on in the product cycle. Um, yeah, and I, I'll actually never forget the day when, uh, when I discovered our first data bug for that new product. I, uh, I was so, so disappointed. I, I, I would sort of say that I rage quit the day. Like I just had to mm -hmm. go home. I was like, this, this will never be okay. As long as I'm building a digital product, I will always be dealing with this. Um, I want to say shit, but I don't know if that's okay in this podcast. But. That is totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, yeah, we just started talking to a bunch of people from amazing product teams at Spotify and Twitch and Airbnb. And it was always the same story. They were constantly being forced to choose between product delivery speed and data quality for reliable insights. And so we decided to solve it. So the the problem definitely makes sense to me. You've painted it very clearly. What, I, what I'm interested to learn more about is as a non-technical person, um, someone who understands software, but not necessarily how to like build software, what does Avo do to plug into system to make that process a little easier yeah, that's a, that's a great question. What does it actually do? Um, because usually when we talk about this, people relate to the problem immensely. And I mean, the, <clears throat> what I just described, the result and what people usually result to doing instead of having this terrible data, because fixing that terrible data will actually like cost you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in etl and, and stuff like that so to prevent it usually what teams do product teams they have you know a moment when the feature is ready um and then they sp spend weeks of back and forth between ios and android and product managers and data persons and qa and ios and android on sort of just like communicating and quality assurance before they're able to ship the feature. Um, and what they then end up often doing to sort of make that process more efficient is that this iOS developer, some product developer will take time away from building the product to build some sort of a homemade solution that actually no one wants to maintain. Um, and that's effectively what we did at QuizUp. Um, and that brings me to what Alvo does it is a single source of truth web application for product managers and analytics managers to define what should be tracked in the next release. So the literal event structures that should be updated or added. Based on that, developers can implement their analytics faster because they get custom generated and type safe SDKs based on based on those structures and then the data reliability is monitored and it's maintained both through static code analysis but then also through the AVO health dashboard and so using this combination of tools we are helping our customers you know 
keep up their product delivery speed while maintaining reliability in their data and insights. And I was recently at a call with an Android developer, a lead Android developer at one of the one of SF's scooter companies. And he said to us, what used to take um, our team a week or two after every feature was ready, before they were able to ship um, because they were just going back and forth on this, now never takes more than a day after they started using AVO. And like that is just like, you know, that's vitamin to my heart, right? It's just like amazing to hear that. Um, and this is effectively what we're trying to do, keep up product delivery speed while maintaining reliable insights. What have been some of the, uh, the interesting learnings that you had uh, since you started working on, on Avo? It, it's, there is always, there is always a fire somewhere um, when, you're, when you're trying to get something that you're passionate about to market. There's just always something on fire um, and you are always deprioritizing things that you think are extremely important because the throughput is just limited. <laughs> Even though you want to change the world very quickly and you wanna help so many people solve the problem that you're trying to solve for them, that involves a lot of different things. It involves you know, raising money so that you can build a team that can and deliver it. It involves getting the product into the hands of the customers. It involves speaking to your current customers and making sure you're satisfying their needs and that they're happy with what, what you're building. It involves, you know, like everyone on the team being happy. There's, it's just like the list is endless and the task list of every day, it is never, you know, you never really go home feeling like, I'm done for the day. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, re just to just to sum it up again, I think, yeah, I've been dealing with a, a recent challenge, for example, in the company and um, my, my new husband, um, we've been together for almost 10 years now, but just got married this summer. And he, he said to me, like, if I were dealing with this, I would be so much more upset than you are right now. Um, and I think, that really sums it up, like just keeping calm while the fires are going on. Um, that's something that I've acquired. I think what you're working on with, with Avo is, is awesome. I think you're enabling speed in startups, which is the number one asset that startups have. But something I want to move to now is kind of going a, a little bit away of what you're working on and a little into just your mind and you know what interests you and what you spend time thinking about. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. Um, just, I want to add something <laughs> that I, that I heard, uh, just because you said there's so many new YC startups coming up and, uh, I mean, YC is obviously like an amazing and a trusted network of founders. Um, so, and they've built this huge network effect. I, I heard this phrase the other day, uh, you know, you, you remember the phrase like, um, oh, there's an app for that. Everyone, everyone said yeah. that at some point. 
I feel like, oh, there's a YC company for that. <laughs> That's so funny. It's probably true. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for, for most of the problems that you encounter in your daily life, there's probably, at least at some point, there has been a YC company for that. It's just yeah. about like whether that scaled up to be a company that we also know the name of today. Um, but yes, um, what, what, what I am thinking about, I mean, I think, I think um, it's, it's probably difficult to be around today's, in, a, in today's environment and not be thinking about like, how can we actually continue living on this planet? <laughs> so that's something that I think I'm very aware of. Um, so slow life, slow living is something that I'm very intrigued by. My, my friend recently told me that the, the biggest or the fastest growing commute to work currently is actually not commuting. I think that's super interesting. It, it sort of fits, it might fit a little bit into the slow living, but it also fits into another subject, um, which I know you, you've had a few conversations about on your podcast already, which is remote work and like where do people work from um, in the future. And for example, with Avo, um, I spend most of my time here in San Francisco uh, commuting back to Iceland as well, where one of my co-founders um, has two kids and a wife. So he, he's not relocating here at least immediately, which means we work over a seven to eight hour time zone difference. Um, and we are making the decision that probably just want to create like a fully, fully remote um, company. And a lot of companies are doing that today. Um, obviously, it requires some upfront commitment from, I guess, um, the team to have discipline and being able to com communicate together and all those things. Um, but it's, it's a super interesting direction. Um, and I think it's interesting to take that direction, like the, the remote culture direction, and combine that with this slow living culture, which is um, sort of, I find it interesting that we all end up, you know, having huge salaries and then we start filling our lifestyles with more expensive things because we have enough money to pay for that lifestyle. And then we end up competing for higher salaries because we need to be able to pay for an even, even bigger lifestyle. Um, and then it's a, it's a, it's a vicious circle, right? Vicious cycle. Um, and I think remote cultures and being able to work from wherever, where you might not necessarily be surrounded with this competitive nature of like having to have, you know, live in a really expensive city or having to buy a house for your entire family in a city where you you know, where that is very expensive to do, for example, you might be able to just do that somewhere where it's easier to live. Um, and then you don't have to work as much also. And that would fuel, you know, a slower lifestyle. So you don't have to be as extremely, I don't know, wasteful in, in living. So I, I think this is, these are things that I find that very interesting to see where we will evolve with this. Like where will, will this, 
extreme environment to continue to just explode? Or are we seeing a massive backlash on that right now, um, both with remote cultures, but also with um, sort of, yeah, the climate change, I guess. And this is the challenge that we really are faced with, which is we have become used to, you know, the, the I'm going to say quote unquote quality of life, of being able to travel anywhere in the world and reach someone really fast and just do whatever we want. Um, but um, it's going to take... It's going to take something that's better than that, I think, for all of us to want to change that way of living, for, for that to be able to be a mass movement, like re reducing travel for people, for, for I guess, for, for, for nations that are super used to being able to just do that really easily. Um, it, it's going to have to have a good alternative. Um, and I mentioned this just because you were saying, like, you're an optimist. I am as well. And I think I'm excited to see what solutions we will come up with to sort of stop, you know, destroying our planets. Although I'm, I'm definitely aware that we'll probably need some, you know, you know, global governmental, you know, um, action, I guess, and some regulations and things like that. But I'm also just, you know, taking it from the optimistic perspective of like, I think we will be able to create an environment and find solutions that we will all like rather than just thinking about it like as a, we can't do this because it's you know too ex expensive um, for tax reasons or something like that. Um, if that makes sense, does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes sense. And it also brings up actually something that I read recently. Um, that was a an article that was kind of making fun of Silicon Valley with the, the title said, the people that are most impressed with Silicon Valley are Silicon Valley. And then, um, <laughs> and, but then someone, um, which is funny, but then on Twitter, someone mentioned that that's probably why Silicon Valley always wins. It's because they, they bet on themselves and they're optimists. Like they, they, they think they can mm -hmm. change the world and then they do. What is it about San Francisco and the Bay Area that, breeds that type of optimism where other places in the world may not uh, may not have that kind of optimism to, to, to kind of save the future wow this is a great great question um yeah san francisco in my mind is an extremely tricky city um and yeah i, I already mentioned this that i have been spending the majority of my time here in uh probably the last one and a half years or something like that although I technically live in Iceland. That's my base. Um, so, and I have a difficult relationship. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Like I have a difficult relationship with San Francisco because it's, it has so many great, 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 fantastic things other than also the, you know, the, this driving culture, you know, it, it also has just like, it's surrounded with, it's surrounded by amazing um, nature it's pleasant weather all of the time, like most of the time at least. Beautiful, cute houses all over the place. It's like, it's fun. Like the hilly mood thing is just, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, but then, yeah, like you said, it's very, it's filled with people that think big, I'm going to say. Um, on, the other, on the other hand, 
it's also filled with people who are I'm going to say yeah they're 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 like-minded definitely and I've heard a lot of people talk about the monoculture that's here and I I feel I, I relate a little bit to that it's like a you know my, one of my friends is a developer and he said like he, he when he finishes work sometimes he just wants to go have a beer and talk about like something else but most people will end up talking about like the you know, latest startup or uh, the latest NPM pack package or whatever. Um, and so I think that's a really good point. So it's, it's this, you know, huge inspirational environment also breeds this monoculture. But what it also breeds is I, I feel like San Francisco has become sort of a mining city or could be seen as like a mining city where most people or a lot of people that are here they don't see themselves necessarily as San Franciscans. Um, they are here to build something fantastic and learn a lot from the people that are here, from the fantastic people that are here, and you know, be in the most driving environment to do that. And I can really feel that it's driving. Like every time I'm here, I just get more stuff done and I meet more new people and it's just amazing. But that also means that, you know, the infrastructure of the city is terrible <laughs> there the majority of the people here they don't see this as their city and the 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 view is so often um and i i, I do this I, I think like this i think why don't they do something about this <laughs> like why don't they do something about the terrible uh, 3G on the way mm. from San Francisco to Palo Alto. Why don't they do something about the commute in the city? Why don't they do something about the homelessness um, and all those things that are sort of could be better? And I think that's that's super interesting. I think that's a, one of those like other sides of San Francisco that we don't necessarily talk too much about. Um, and And it brings me down a little bit. Uh, specifically the homelessness i think um so that was i guess a rant about san francisco oh, <laughs> it, it encapsulates it all very well that, the, the good parts of it and the, the ugly parts of it and everything in the middle yeah but to end on um the bright notes and i guess to answer your question like why is the city so amazing um i've heard this on a few occasions like you should surround yourself with people that are great because you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with um, or something like that and if that's true then san francisco is of course like a if you if you want to achieve something it's just so inspirational to be here and surrounded by people who think that they can change the world um, and they think in this super optimistic way. They think in, you know, instead of thinking in what's wrong with things, they think in like, how can I improve things? But it's also just like super intelligent people that are here. Um, so yeah, you just learn so much from being here and the, the network of people that are here is amazing and everyone is super helpful it's like the first thing most people do when they meet you is how can i help you that's the most common phrase i think in san francisco how can i help and that leads me to to my last question you you, you just mentioned it's, it's how can i help you what what can you learn in this journey in san francisco and what can you give 
and but something about this podcast is a lot of people listening, you know, don't live in San Francisco. They might live in Africa or Arizona with me or, you know, Michigan or places that they can't soak it all in and they can't maybe get the advice that then they would have otherwise. So my question for you is as someone who was in the heart of San Francisco and is building a company that is making a substantial impact on the world and will continue to grow, what advice would you have for the Phoenician or the person living in Michigan or Kenya, um, if they wanted to start their own company, but don't necessarily know the first step to do it. Talk to another entrepreneur, I would say. That's the first step. Um, but also just like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would like in general, the longer answer is try to surround yourself with people who are optimistic and people who are interested in you know taking part in such a journey a lot of people talk about like the importance of having a co-founder for example um i totally agree with that <laughs> i i don't know where i would be if i didn't have my co-founders um and yeah so again i think <laughs> So this is tricky because we've been talking about like, how can we try to build a remote culture? And, and sort of it sparks the question, like, is it possible to remotely get to know your co-founders, for example? Is it possible to remotely build your network of people um, and advisors? And I think that's, that's possible. Um, and like I said, I've been spending a lot of time here recently. I also got to know a lot of people just through Google Hangout. <laughs> Um, when I was in Iceland and yeah so I think just start reaching out to people for advice um, start getting to know inspirational individuals and then soon you realize that it's more doable than you think like it's it's closer than you think it's um, it's it's less of a hurdle it's just like doing it I guess Thank you so much, Steph, for, for, for coming on to the podcast and sharing your knowledge. We, we got into some awesome topics, and I just really appreciate you spending your time you know, on the Forward Thinking Founders podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was amazing.